Welcome to The Corner. It's a celebration and conversation of everything creative. It's a soapbox, it's an intersection, it's a gathering place. Here we go. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Matt, a.k.a. M. DeGlad Woodrow, and you are listening to The Corner. If you're a regular, welcome back, and if you're new, welcome. All right, so I would have to say that if either if you know me in real life or if you peruse the, the titles and descriptions of, of the episodes, you will see that I'm a big fan of writing and of writers, and you'll also notice that there's a, uh, there's a few episodes, including this one, with people who have had their hand in writing comic books. Uh, so yeah, I'm a huge comic book geek as well. Also, shout out to my little co-host, which you'll hear in the episode, and you might hear me talk, her, talking to her in this little intro, or her talking to me in this little intro. That is Mira, aka Squish, aka Squishle T, hugging stuff. All right, so that's the little one that you hear me talk about a lot here, and that's a uh, yeah. Anyway, so this episode here is with the writer Christopher Golden. He is a New York Times best-selling author, Braun Stoker Award winner. He, uh, he's also written novels such as Road of Bones, Arats, Snowblind, and Red Hands. And with uh, Mike Mignola, that is the creator of Hellboy, That is, uh, if you didn't know, um, he is the co-creator of the Outerverse comic book universe, which includes series such as Baltimore, Joel Gollum, Occult Detective, and Lady Baltimore. Um, he's also edited a bunch of anthologies, including Seize the Night, Dark Cities, and The New Dead, among a bunch of others. And uh, he has written or, or co-written lots of comic books, some video games, some screenplays, and you'll hear some of that screenplay stuff at the beginning. I'll give you a hint. It has something to do with Big Red. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, he's also done some uh, some some network television pilot work and. Uh, and in 2015, he founded the Merrimack Valley Halloween Book Festival. Um, he was born and raised in Massachusetts. And he lives in Massachusetts now with his wife and family. And uh, yeah, multi-nominee of Bram Stoker Award, British Fantasy Award, Eisner Award, Shirley Jackson Award. Um, and then, and then uh, he's, yeah, definitely uh, been nominated um, in, in eight different categories uh, for the Bram Stoker Catalog uh, the Awards, and he's won twice, actually. Um, this is the cool part, too. And it's all of the cool part, but this is a cool part, if you ask me. His work has been uh, 
published in more than 15 languages across the world. So that's uh, that's how in demand this guy is and his writing. And he was kind enough to sit down with yours, yours truly on the corner. So yeah, uh, we got Christopher Golden on this episode. Uh, writer of all sorts of things. Has his, had his hand in all sorts of universes, um, including the aforementioned Hellboy and his own creation with Hellboy creator Mike Mignola uh, with the Otterverse. And yeah, it's just a fun conversation, guys. So tune in, keep listening, and uh, yeah, have a good time, guys. Hello, hello. Hey, how are you? I'm oh, good. How are you? I'm doing fine, thank you. Well, thank you very much for coming on to the corner with me. No, it's my pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, so I've uh, been... And uh, looking through your, your website and everything, and I, you know, obviously it's ChristopherGolden.com, but do you prefer being called Chris or Christopher? So personally, it's always Chris, and professionally, it's always Christopher. So Chris is fine. Fair enough. All right. As I have, I've noticed that with some some folks, they like to go by their full name. And I think you probably see on your screen that my full name is looking like, it looks like, looks like Matthew at the moment. So I don't know how to change that. I don't know if I will, but... okay. I like to think I'm professional. Uh, well, uh, well, no, I, you know, I just mean like where where my <clears throat> I'm credited on something. It always says Christopher. Gotcha. Um, you know, like I just had to change the IMDb listing on the Hellboy movie because they had it as Chris, so I had to fix that. Ah, is that is that the newest Hellboy movie coming out? Yes. Yeah. Nice. And in uh, in all honesty, too, like that is the title that that got me to recognize who you are. Um, I'm not going to say how long ago, because that's going to age us both, I think. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but, but, it's, uh, but, but I've been a long time Hellboy fan, and then I, uh, I did some other cross research since then, and uh, you have showed up everywhere, and I, I'm going to avoid calling you Mr. Golden, because nothing, nothing even more in the realm of, of like, I guess, a little too much there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's all good, man. Um, and, uh, yeah, so yeah, welcome to the corner. It's a, uh, I like to think I'm a mix between like the the so the, the quote unquote pro- professional interview and um, just basically shooting the shit. So that's that's a good spot to be in. Yeah, and then that is also if you have an, any inclination that you want to swear, you can go ahead and do that because I have a little button I can push and I can. <laughs> The little one, if you can hear her now, she's. She oh, I, to be... I thought that was the sound the button made. No, no, that's that's not the. She would like to be censored now, I think, but, but she, she's uh, yeah, she is definitely um, protesting. I think bedtime right now, so yeah, she's just over a year old. So uh, things come kind of hard for her sometimes. No, listen, I for all of us, only we have a, a, a an easier way to express it. So. I can only imagine that frustration, you know? Right. That's why I try to remind myself that you're yelling at me because that's all you can do right now, kids. Yeah. So, so like I said, it's a mix between the professional and the, uh, and and the shooting the shit. So, okay. Sounds uh, good. All right. So I do have actual questions for you because like, I, I, I like to do my homework and everything. And, uh, so how, so if I could take you back as long as you can remember, how, how long have you wanted to write? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. I mean, I, I started writing, um, sort of dabbling in writing, I would, I would say sometime in middle school. Um, I didn't write my first sort of real short story until I was in high school. Um, and <clears throat> I did probably half a dozen short stories while I was in high school. You know, all of them sort of interesting, but, you know, not well written. Um, and, uh, and then when I was getting ready, it was, I guess I was a junior or senior in, in high school and I decided I wanted to go to film school. Um, but I, uh, I didn't want to do that without having a fallback plan. So I, I, I said, I want to get the best education I can possibly get and I'll go to film school. And then while I was in college, I just took tons of writing classes and I decided actually that that's what I wanted to do for real. So uh, I never did go to film school. Like, as you said, you got your name in film. So uh, <clears throat> which I think we'll, we'll definitely at least dabble into why your name is in that film because it's yeah. okay, so that's that's how i got to know you um, and your work but as i don't know you very well but i know your work and even though we're friend, facebook friends so yeah i do yeah. I, and i do enjoy your posts when of all sorts of different ways like the from the political to the to the movies to the to the writing style stuff and yeah. but I, that's awesome like the middle school seems to be the time i think because i've talked to other writers I'm a writer myself, and that was kind of when I started figuring out that I at least like trying to tell stories. I'm not that good at telling stories, at least not on paper, um, which is why I think I settled into poetry because I could do it shorter. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, <clears throat> I mean, and you you have a uh, you have very much a knack for like for setting uh, for setting like mood and and I guess tone. I think because a lot of what you write is is darker in tone. If, if I'm not mistaken, right? No, it always has been, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, that makes sense because like looking at your, your resume, I, I see a lot of different things that uh that they're not happy go lucky, but like who who really wants to see that all the time? <laughs> so, right, yeah, yeah. Um, and so what 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 particularly got you into into writing more of like the 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 darker and the, the horror style writing? Um, you know, the thing is I yeah, I cannot say what leaned me in that direction, only that it was the stuff that I was always attracted to, uh, even from, you know, as literally as far back as I could remember, the stuff that I was interested in were supernatural stories and scary stories uh, always. So, you know, go back as far as, you know, reruns of The Twilight Zone and, and reruns of Kolchak the Night Stalker when I was a kid. Um, and then, um, you know, the comics that I liked the most when I was a kid were Marvel's horror comics, Tomb of Dracula, stuff like that. Uh, so I just always gravitated in that direction. And then, so of course, naturally when I started, of course, horror movies and things, monster movies. And when I started writing, um, I remember so clearly, and I've told this a million times, my mother passed away a couple of years ago. And, uh, the, the, the one good thing about her being gone is she doesn't have to hear me repeat this over and over again anymore, <laughs> which is that, uh, uh, you know, I remember as a kid, I would be writing and my mom actually said, why can't you write something good? And, and by good, she meant nice. Why couldn't I write something, you know, that, that was happy. Uh, and I said, look, I've, I've written scary stories and romantic, excuse me, I've, like science fiction stories and romantic stories and Western stories, but somebody always dies. And, um, 
and then you know things take a dark turn and those are just the things that interested and entertained me um and it's it's always been that way well so that's yeah so then i think there's a certain escapism to it too right i mean it's like everybody yeah i mean i think yeah. i i think that there's a i mean look i have a I have the the mature perspective on it and the child's perspective on it. And, you know, from the child's perspective, um, you know, it's heightened reality. It's heightened emotion. It's heightened suspense. What's going to happen. It, there's something delicious about the, um, the physical and emotional responses that you get when you're, you know, seeing or reading a, a scary story. Um, but, you know, from a mature perspective, I also look at it, you know, whereas horror in many ways and the supernatural stories in many ways help us to um, evaluate, to analyze topics that are difficult to analyze head on for most people. Um, they, it helps us to analyze our relationship with death. It helps us to analyze our relationship with the idea of an afterlife uh, and what we believe about that. So um, I don't think that those last two things are the things that attracted me when I was a kid, although maybe in a subconscious way they did, um, because as a kid, you're trying to make sense of everything, right? right. But, uh, but certainly as an adult, those are, you know, some of the things that are attractive to me about it. Gotcha. That's, that's, that's a, a really well said way to say it. I think, that's like what that's always what that has attracted me as a fan to to things like what you write and the things that you're involved with and then the movies that i like to watch um, quite often are either if they're if not you know action-packed or comedies they're definitely like they're a little darker um, yeah. and they they definitely have the horror elements and i i grew up a huge horror fan too like staying up later to watch movies on cinemax than i should have and <laughs> And like my, my mom was okay with it until it was, unless I went to school repeating some of the stuff I saw. Right. Uh, but, man. but the thing of looking, looking uh, into your background a little more too, and you're, you're from Massachusetts. Yes. Uh, uh, what part of Massachusetts? So I grew up in Framingham. Um, and which is, for those who are not familiar is about, I guess about 20 miles West of Boston, maybe a little bit further. Um, <clears throat> and, um, and I've lived in Haverhill, which is about, I don't know, 25 or 30 miles north of Boston. Uh, I've lived here for 30 years this year. Um, nice. So uh, in between, I lived in New York for three years. But other than that, um, I've been in Massachusetts my whole life. Awesome. Yeah, yeah I'm born and raised New Englander uh, myself. Uh, I asked, I, when I see Massachusetts, I perk up because I was born in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Uh, and lived there for a good chunk of my childhood and now i'm in vermont but i've never moved out of new england and i don't, I don't plan on it uh there's just just too much up here for that for, yeah. for anywhere else to win and yeah, that's awesome and so you must like massachusetts if you went to new york and came back um, yeah well i mean um actually the reason i came back i do i love massachusetts and i, I mean i love new england in general for so many reasons i mean uh, uh you know, the seasons, the, the, the atmosphere, the way things, you know, the way everything feels, the, pre, the, the, the nearness of the mountains and the ocean, um, you know, it's just gorgeous up here. Um, and I do like having four seasons. 
that said that um, after I graduated from college, I got a job in Manhattan. And so um, I moved down there. And um, at the time I was dating my wife and she also lived in Massachusetts and I was trying to get her to move down. And um, after about a year of sort of going back and forth, um, she said she would move down on the condition that as soon as I sold my first novel, we would move back. <laughs> I, said, I said, great. And um, uh, that was a real leap of faith for her, but, um, but she did it. And, um, you know, in, in 92, I sold my first novel and we moved home. All right. Awesome. I love that. I love a good love story too. I mean, I'm, I'm a sucker for a love story, especially real ones. And so that sounds, that sounds very sweet too. I think that was a chance for her to take. Yeah, um, it was. And so, so for the listeners, what was your first, what was your first novel sold? Uh, the first novel was called of saints and shadows. And I started it my senior year in college. Um, I guess that would have been in like fall 88 or, or spring 89. Um, and then, you know, moved to New York and kept working on it. And I met an agent and um, she helped me sort of revise it and, and, you know, beat me up a little bit. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, I, it was the, the story is about, uh, um, I went to Catholic school for 12 years and uh, I also, you know, always loved monsters and vampires and things like that. And, um, but it drove me crazy that the rules of vampirism were so stupid uh, <laughs> because I always felt like the idea that you could turn into a bat or a wolf or mist, but that's basically it. You, know, you could change your entire body on a molecular level, but you only had that little menu to choose from. <laughs> um, and I always thought that was really stupid. So um, I basically decided to sort of, uh, reverse engineer that and explain why. Um, and, you know, I, I wrote this novel and over the years, um, six sequels to it. That's awesome. And, and that was, that was, uh, that, that you actually just got me right into another question I had for you is that um, there's a whole, uh, you have a lot of series. Like I keep stumbling on the, the plural for series, but like yeah. you, you do, you do many uh, series or serial type writing what so what is the for you what is the the appeal to do is something more serial over say like a one shot well i mean uh obviously you always want to have um something be successful and people clamor for more that's nice by the way i believe the series the plural of series is series um, okay that's what i was thinking but i was yeah. like it's been um, one of those days. <laughs> I think you're. I think you're fine there. But um, but no, I, I um, I think it depends on the project. I think it depends on the story you're telling. And some things naturally, sort of um, lend themselves to serial storytelling. Um, just like some some things would make a great movie, and some things would make a great television series, and some things might be both or either. But you know, some definitely feel like they should be one or the other, and that's the case with with books as well. Gotcha. And so that's, yeah, that, because I know for a reader's standpoint, or even like even a viewer, um, for me anyway, I, I much prefer a series over a one shot um, because, like, I, I, if I want more, 
and, and I never get it. I'm always just kind of sitting there like, well, that was great, but but, but what about this part or this part? And and sometimes yeah. people can contain a story in one in one sitting, but I'm one of those types of people who really latches on to characters and, and their stories. So I appreciate the fact that you, you lean more towards serial writing than 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 one shots that's for sure and and so kind of thinking about on those lines too like uh so i know that you you have your hand in lots of comic books as well uh so when you sit down and you write a story do you immediately know this is going to be a novel or is this going to be a, a some sort of graphic story um i would say most of the time when I come up with an idea, it's an idea that I've come up with specifically for one medium or another. Um, but that does change. Um, so, uh, you know, and I also do have some sort of idea files um, where the ideas sort of sit there and maybe they were initially, it was an idea for a short story or a novel and eventually it becomes it might be an idea for a novel and I realize actually that's more like a novella or a story. Um, but sometimes it's also, that's an idea for a novel, but eventually it becomes a comic book story or something else. But generally when I initially come up with the idea, I have a specific idea toward, um, you know, toward what I want it to be. Um, but, you know, Amber Benson and I um, had written a, um, a film script a number of years ago that we wanted to do ourselves as a film, as an independent horror feature. Um, and we never quite got the opportunity to make that happen. Uh, and recently we've, um, we've been talking to this one comic book company who are really interested in, in doing it as a comic book series. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm down for that. That's fine. Um, because I think it'll work as a comic. You know, if I didn't think it would work as a comic, I would say no. Um, but uh, but yeah, so sometimes it's intentional and sometimes it's just fate. That's gotcha. Because I, I know that there's been at least the one story that I've read that has turned that I've read both both versions of. Uh, and again, it's a, it's a Hellboy connection with Bones of Giants. Uh, yeah. Which which the and not just because I have you on the horn with me, but like, I'm, but I but because I have you on the horn with you too. Thank you very much for that that story because like you're you're one of the first people that I ever like I guess allowed myself to read a Hellboy story from that wasn't Mignola totally a Mignola creation. Yeah. So like so thank you for giving me an open mind about that. So to, no, listen, I thank you for having an open mind about it. It's you know, I look, I think I stand with every single fan of Mike's who would love to to have every single thing he does written and drawn by Mike. Um, certainly that would be my preference. I mean, a lot of the things that we've done together um, were uh, collaborative ideas and developed collaboratively. Um, but I certainly feel like Hellboy stories in general, uh, I would always prefer they be done by Mike. That said, I'm really glad that I was able to do my stuff in, in with Hellboy and in the Hellboy world because I love the character so much. I have since the very first issue, um, you know, I was, um, I was lucky enough to interview Mike shortly after the first issue came out for okay. a magazine called Flux at the time. And, um, 
and that conversation led to our friendship and led to all the work we've done together over the last, I don't know, what is it, almost 30 years. Does this, I was looking at your, uh, I have your website pulled up too, right? The woman was just looking at the books and there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of titles that have both of your names on it. And, yes. Yeah, and it's, and yeah, and you're very, you're very welcome and for, for me having that open mind, but, but I was going to say that you're the one that, that cracked that nut because, because I was like a lot of comic book geeks. I am very particular about what I like and how I like it. And, and that's the type of story too, is like, like, like you, you nailed it on the head by saying, you know, most of us would like everything Hellboy related to be everything done by Big Dollar. And then that's that. And, but I think somewhere along the line, you know, that the, the, the universe that he created is so large and expansive that he had to give it up to people to, to get yeah. these stories told. And, you know, it became, uh, it really took on a <laughs> life of its own over the years. And I mean, you have to give credit to Mike for first for creating something that had the breadth and depth uh, of the world that he created, but then also for being so open about collaborating with other creators uh, and, and, you know, giving us this playground where we have been able to continue to build that world. Um, it, it's reached the point now where it sort of is, um, it's, I'm not going to say it's self-generating because that's obviously not true, but I think that there's a certain momentum to the growth of, what they call the Mignolaverse that is at this point sort of, um, you know, just, just rolling, uh, you know, there's so much happening, but what I love is that Mike is really encouraging new material in that world, encouraging, you know, sort of branching off with characters and time periods and, and other things within that world that are different from what's come before. Um, you know, so, so yeah, no, I mean, there's, I have, not only is he a, a good friend uh, and, a, and a, you know, a good human, uh, but he's a, a brilliant collaborator. And I just think so supportive of the writers and artists who've worked in that world. Um, so, yeah. Uh, he, seem, he seems very, as I say, he seems that way. And I'm glad I'm hearing that confirmed because, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like I, I know that like from from Bones of Giants, I went on to like catch your name on other things and like the BPRD stuff and and then obviously to your novels as well. But like, but if we're speaking just in in what he created, um, after I read Bones of Giants, I was definitely uh, definitely very open to seeing your name on a, on a on a comic. And then, and if I saw it there, and I I was definitely in for something I knew I was going to at least be able to like sink into for a little while and then uh and and then the other name that came up is someone i talked to and then you picked on me about name dropping them because they told me to name drop them. <laughs> so, but uh but um, I, no i picked on you because i pick on them i just you know right yeah uh, and, uh, and he he did t he did tell me that you were probably going to say something back like that so um so i'm glad the friendship there is 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 open enough to, to know that that happens. Oh yeah. No, no. I mean, um, Tom and I have also collaborated many times over the years. And I think we were talking the other day about, um, 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure that, um, you know, we've definitely been friends for over 30 years at this point, um, which is crazy to think about. Well, we've, I should say we've known each other for over 30 years. I mean, it, it may be a little bit less than that from our, the beginning of our friendship, but, um, you know, we, uh, we complement each other well. We're very different writers. Yeah, I, could, I definitely can attest to that. As I like the read a lot of a lot of uh, titles with with both both of your names attached at the same time, but also at separate universe or world. Like, like I, I see, a, a, it's a different enough that I know your styles, but also like I think there's there's definitely some some feeding off of each other because like you're working within the same characters, and yeah. But yeah, so it's and I, and I definitely catch every bit of respect that you you two have for each other and now that i've oh, talked to him. both of you that's that guy. i hate him <laughs> I hate that guy no uh, you know it's funny because tom again like <laughs> his uh his story interests and his sense of humor are both very different from mine but that there is a, a lot of overlap in that venn diagram as well and so when he does things solo or with Janine, they're very different from what, what I do when I'm working solo. But when we work together, I feel like that's a third writer in a way. Like when we're, when we're combining our forces, it's, it's, it's very much its own thing. It's not me, it's not him, it's us, you know? Right. Yeah, it's a, the, the collaboration on this end seems to come off uh, seamless to me anyway. Like I very much enjoy the stuff I read. I've, re I've read with both of your names attached at the same time. So it's, <clears throat> and then I, I love that you, you dropped again that you hate him because <laughs> yeah, <can't>. I, <clears throat> I did tell him I was going to talk to you and uh, he, he uh, he's like, all right, I'm going to, I'll try to tune into that asshole. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Well that, you know, what bothers me most about him is his smell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'll have to take your word for that because I again, like like you and I talking now, we were, we were not in the same room when he and I talked. So, <laughs> no, just, you know, listen, you know, uh, he is old. I mean, listen, we'll get we'll get that right there. He's he's ancient. <laughs> he's like uh, the thousand year old man uh, in body and in soul. But um, but you know, we we both grew up in Massachusetts, and at least for the time. Uh, when we were young, you know, how you showed your fondness for somebody generally was giving them shit. Absolutely. Right. I mean, this is, this is how, if I, if I tease you a lot, uh, that's a, a sure sign that I like you. If I tease you a little, it might be because I can't stand you. That's, that's the difficult thing. <laughs> <laughs> So Jane should worry because I don't tease her as much as I tease Tom. <laughs> uh, well, I guess I, we we could give her time though too. Because like I can I, attest I, that I, she's a very nice human being. So. No, I tease her. She's she's lovely. Yeah. Uh, so I know that where I grew up, um, there was a phrase, and it all depended on how you said it. That um, that that it was supposed to be taken a certain way if you said it a certain way. So and the phrase is "Say hello to your mother for me." <laughs> And yeah, if you, where if you, you say where you grew up, certainly yes. Yeah, and if you say it, you know, say hello to your mother for me. Like that means, hey, say hey to mom. But if you say, hey, say hello to your mother for me, <laughs> then it says a little more to that. Yeah, but it has so, a but, implication. 
Yeah, but even but even the second one, you would say it to people you liked just to see if you can get under their skin. Yeah, just to get a rise out of them, of course. You know. And is that? I mean, you, you you hit it on the head too. Again, there's that's the kind of the Massachusetts way in general. I think. Yeah. We we, we sound mean, but we're actually very nice people. <laughs> so. Some of us. But some of us, yeah. Like. Yeah, probably. Yeah, well, maybe he was faking it when he was when he was on with me then. But uh, I had a lot of fun talking with him and Janine. And they actually, yeah, they mentioned your name to to talk to. Is like I, I like to ask who I should, who according to the guest I should try to talk to, and and your name came up, and so did uh, another person you know, uh, Steve Bissett. Yeah. Uh, so, and and I've known him since I was a teenager, since I moved to Brattleboro, Vermont. And, uh, yeah. And uh, is that where you live now? I live in Bethel, Vermont now, but yeah, yeah. Uh, no, but, Steve, Steve is uh, Steve is extraordinary. I've I've known Steve since I was I think I was twenty two when I first met him, um, and uh, he was a massive massive influence on me as a person and as a creator at that time because Ty, I did a very very long long interview with him for Hero Illustrated. Um, a, a few years after we first met, um, which was boiled down to something like a tiny fraction of the actual length of the interview. Um, but over the, over those few years, I learned a lot from him about how to conduct myself in business in, as a professional in the creative uh, industries um, and about my expectations when I signed a contract and all kinds of things. He was a really, um, uh, I'm not sure necessarily he would even really understand what an influence he was in the way that I've conducted myself uh, in this business for all this time. That's but, awesome. Yeah, just just a, a great guy, a great friend. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it, it's it's fortunate. You know, I, I appreciate the fact that so far we're only talking about the people that I actually, uh, you know, appreciate. Because there are people you could bring up that would give us send us in a whole different direction, but no, Steve has been um, has been phenomenal. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Here's I've always I, I've been I've been talking with him again uh, for the first time in a long time uh, when he was on the, the episode of his, and I, it just it brought me back to when I was a teenager going into the video store, getting crazy ass recommendations from him because he knew the kind of mind that I was going in with. Oh yeah, uh, no. I was like, I was. I'm a huge Sam Raimi Evil Dead fan, um, yeah. and and he knew I was renting those movies a million times over. So he would just, have you tried this? Have you tried this? Well, you know, the uh, fascinating thing about Steve is that I think that he has a really unique <clears throat> mind. Um, his his recall is just extraordinary. Um, I think that he probably has seen almost every movie that's ever been available to be seen in his lifetime i think you're right (laughs) uh, and remembers them all and knows details about all of them uh it's it's incredible um and also more importantly my first book was not a novel my first book came out actually in 1992 and it was a nonfiction book called cut horror writers on horror film oh cool Um, and it was uh, uh essays by horror writers about horror movies and Steve wrote an essay for me um, in that book. And what was extraordinary is most people in the book were writing about older films. And Steve wrote an essay that was about um, Ghost, Flatliners, and Jacob's Ladder. 
Oh, wow. Which were, at the time, very recent films. Uh, and he was able to put those films into a historical perspective, almost as if he were writing that essay now. Um, it just, it, it just his, his ability to do that and to sort of see them in the context of everything that had come before and also what was going on in the world at the time. I just admire him so much for the way his brain works. Yes, I was, yeah, I was catching that, especially more so when I was talking to him more in depth uh, a few weeks ago. And yeah, that, that I was, I, I was the, the, the thoughts and the, and the facts that he would come up with. I'm like, and I, I was just like, I'm, I'm going to school and I'm loving every minute of this. Cause like, it's just, sure. yeah, it was so good. And I'm not sure if you caught that episode, but he did, send a huge thanks to you for getting him involved in the odd jobs uh, anthology. Oh no, um, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know he, I didn't even know he had done it. So I'm, that's kind of him. Uh, you know, I, I've pulled Steve into a number of things over the years and it's always, uh, it's always worthwhile to, to, you know, force him to come out and play. Right. And that's, a, that's kind of how he put it too. Is he, was I mean because his that story which and if he's so if he's thanking you for their story I should too because his story was one of my favorites from that that anthology that uh, Jigsaw and it yep. but they had such a twisted but really cool twisted story but uh yeah so I will thank you for for your telling him to come out and play and into the world of Hellboy as well too so he's yeah, yeah. like I, yeah like I said that like they're having your names attached to that is like it's that you were the one that opened my mind to other writers being involved in Hellboy and, uh, which is one of the big reasons I friended you on Facebook in the first place so. well, I appreciate it yeah, you're welcome and thank you for, for accepting that so I'm going to circle back those you were talking about and I was going to ask you about because um, I noticed that you've done a lot of work in the Buffy um, the Buffy realm and sure. I, know that, I know that at least a couple of the issues you wrote with and you mentioned her, Amber Benson, and now you're writing a series with Amber Benson. So what, what brought that, that team up to happen? Um, so let's see. Uh, you know, I had written... Um, I had written or co-written uh, a whole host of Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> novels and nonfiction guides, like The Watcher's Guide. Um, and I'd also co-written a couple of uh, I'd, I'd written a number of Buffy comics and co-written several with James Marsters who played Spike well, that's pretty awesome um, and so I was uh, a, a, a young woman at the time Ali Costa um, was doing my website and she also did Amber's website so I was going out to LA and Ali said um, geez I've got to get you and Amber together you need to meet and I said sure great sounds good so we had lunch, Allie and Amber and I, and Amber's sister and a few other people. <clears throat> and we hit it off really well. And then um, I don't remember if it was the same trip. I think it was the same trip. I think, um, actually, no, it was the next time I was out in Los Angeles. A bunch of us went out to dinner um, and Amber's mom was there and she would roll her eyes for me telling this story, but her mom was at dinner and we were talking about various things. And she said, well, you know, Amber also writes. And I said, I didn't know that. And she said, yeah, she's a playwright. She's written several plays and they've been um, staged. And I said, that's fantastic. I said, I'd love to read them. And, um, and that's what led to our, uh, our collaborating. 
um, she had uh, she had written these plays, and I read a couple of them. And I said, "Would would you ever want to do a you know Willow and Tara comic?" And she said, "Yeah, that sounds great." And that you know, got us to do our first one shot, which was illustrated by Terry Moore, who um, does my favorite comics. Um, and you know, it was just a it was a great experience. So we became friends during that process. We wrote three comics together. Uh, then and then um, I was in London doing I don't remember why I was there um, and talking to a, a, a guy I knew who worked for the BBC um, and they came to me and they said well we want to do an online animated series and they had this idea for something they wanted to do that was sort of like Victorian Buffy um, and I immediately said no I said, I, I do not want to do anything that's going to look like I'm ripping off Joss because I've done too many Buffy related things that are Buffy. So everybody's going to think that uh, I said, but, and I said, I had this alternate idea. This other suggestion. And it was something that I wanted to do with Amber. And of course they were excited by that prospect. So I called Amber and I talked to her about it and she said that sounded great to her. And so, um, we co-wrote and she directed an animated series for BBC online called Ghosts of Albion, which I think was probably at this point about 20 years ago. And, um, uh, and they, we did a sequel to that for them. And then um, we had a publisher who was interested in doing, oh, actually we wrote an original novella tied into Ghosts of Albion. Um, and then we had a publisher who was interested in doing original novels in that world. So we wrote two of those together and that was and those were amber's first two novels um were the two ghosts of albion novels we wrote together <clears throat> so we've been working together for a very long time and last year and this year we had the um we had the great pleasure of collaborating on what is probably our our biggest project yet but it's not something i can tell you about only to say that it will be announced next month all right <clears throat> i'll keep my ears to the tracks on that one then I'm getting all the and all my travels in in writing or writing reading and watching horror and sci-fi like I, I obviously landed on on the, the on Buffy a while back too like starting with the, the original movie uh, with Christy Swanson and Paul Rubens and uh, Luke Perry <laughs> yeah it's just Rutger Hauer Rutger Hauer let's not forget oh yeah I can't forget him yeah Rutger Hauer and yeah it's such Donald a Sutherland. Yeah, he was the watcher. Yeah, it's such such a different feel than the show turned out turned out to be. I mean, like, and I've read my fair share of comics. So after after I had seen your name on Hellboy stuff, so I'm like, oh hey, and uh, but then I was like re researching as it's been a minute since all of those books came out. I'm like, oh, he did something with Amber Benson, and that's pretty awesome. And and then I'm remembering that that you jogged my memory about the James Monsters. stuff that you did too so it's which i thought was thought was funny that he was like the wesley was an american actor or british i forgot how it worked out <laughs> there's something weird about how that worked like that that they, they were both american actors with british accents in the right, show right. But, yeah. so it's a, but they did it pretty convincingly I thought, but. well convincing enough for us <laughs> right right i'm not Definitely. sure how the brits felt about them i'm sure they did not like that <laughs> Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, so that's 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 awesome. I was like, I was wondering too. Is like, I, that, that how that at all 
came about. And then, uh, so, so thinking about all that too, it's like, you know, that you write a lot of stuff on like alone, uh, but then you also, you do a lot of team ups to use a comic book term. Yeah. Um, so how does the process differ for you when you're sitting down with, with a partner or when you're sitting alone? You know, I mean, it's, it's different for every collaboration. Uh, and of course it's different when I'm writing by myself. It also is very different from medium to medium. And I also would say, you know, versatility is what enabled me to have a 30 year career. Um, I, you know, I, I quit my job in 1992 when I sold my first novel and I've, um, I've been full-time freelance ever since. Uh, I guess it's 31 years now, um, which is crazy. But in any case, um, you know, it really does. It differs from medium to medium, and it differs when you're writing with somebody else. Um, I will say that it's uh, people assume that it's easier when you're collaborating because you're doing, quote-unquote, half the work. But it's actually, in many ways, more work to collaborate than it is to write it yourself. Um, although sometimes it's also more fun to collaborate than it is to write it yourself. Um, and yet, of course, it's more personal when it's uh, when you are writing yourself. So it's you know there are pros and cons to both, but mostly I just look at it like you know everyone I've collaborated with over the years started out as uh, both my friend and someone whose work I admired. Um, I do have plans to collaborate with um, for on a short story with somebody that I barely know. Um, uh, but that's a fun experiment. Uh, so we'll see, but it's, um, I don't know. I mean, it, it just starts with writing as a very solitary occupation. And um, for many years, I, I, I'm sort of a solitary person now. Um, I, I mostly just like to hang around with my wife and, and my family, but um but I always would say, you know, writing is a solitary occupation and I'm not a very solitary person. So it's fun to play with your friends. <laughs> Makes sense. I mean, it's like we've, we've talked about some people that I could definitely hear, even the picking on Tom, um, I, especially with the picking on Tom, I should say, um, that these are people that you really enjoy working with and, and sharing creative spaces with. So. You know, what I, what I will say is this. Um, while the writing is work and sometimes you know collaborating can be more work the part that's really fun is brainstorming with your friends you know being on the phone with mike or with tom or with amber or with my friend tim Levin or jim moore other people that i've i've collaborated with over the years there's nothing quite like having that conversation where you're you know things just start to click and you go and then and then, and what about this? Oh, what about, oh wait, this would be good. Um, you know, that's, I wish we could just get paid to do that. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the really fun part. Those moments of epiphany, um, you know, those are the greatest. Yeah, that's the times I get to chance, the chance to, to work with, or brainstorm with people, especially like you said. Like, and it's a little different with poetry, but like I've been, I've been lucky enough to, to find some people that that I can work with on, on poetry things and and that's so much fun because it just becomes a, just a lot of ideas being knocked around and and, and there's, there's there's 
there's a lot of jokes too. And yeah, it's like it's, and you're absolutely right about writing being absolutely solitary at times too, because sometimes it's just me and my notebook. Right. And so it's, and, and my notebook, you know, sometimes it acts like it doesn't like me, but that's, that's my own problem. <laughs> so, um, and that's, I mean, you write longer things, um, but, but do you, it's like thinking about process and we're talking about like bare bones process, do you typically use uh, a computer or do you, do you like handwrite or is this, if something comes to you when you're away from a computer, I, do you have I, a way? I write notes by hand sometimes. Um, when I, when I have no other choice or a lot of times if I'm traveling, I have a notebook, I'll, I'll write notes that way. But honestly, 99.9% of the time, I don't write anything if I'm not on a computer. Sometimes I, I email myself notes from my phone, but you know, I just, I have friends who've sat down for the exercise of it and written entire novels longhand in notebooks. Oh, wow. My brain just doesn't work like that. Um, the fluidity of being able to edit while I go and to work on a sentence and write the sentence three times. And, uh, you know, and I'm not even talking about laboring over it. I'm just like working it out as I go. Um, I feel like I would be paralyzed if I was forced to try to do that in a notebook. I can't, I can't imagine writing very long form things in a notebook, honestly. Yeah. <clears throat> like in college when I had to write those long essays and research projects, like I couldn't imagine handwriting all of it. <laughs> yeah. Like notes. Yes. But yeah. And I, but I'm very analog when it comes to my poetry though. But, but, but that also being said that I'm very, and I don't say this very often, but I'm very thankful for Bluetooth technology because I could actually just holler at my steering wheel and take notes. Um, yeah. So it's, and do you find yourself in situations like that too? Or like where you're like, you're in an unsafe situation to write a thing down and in a notebook, but. Um, I have, uh, uh, I have not done it that <laughs> way. Cause I, um, I think I have dictated a couple times while driving, but for the most part, I, um, in a case like that, I would actually pull over. That's probably the safest way to do it. Yeah, and, and, I, and I would pull over and I would email myself. Um, uh, you know, I've also, uh, in the old days, there were times when I would call my home phone, you know, and leave a message when I had an answering machine, you know. That's fun. And I, I'm, I'm, I am become much better at email, emailing myself, lots of things too. So it's, whether it's work related or whether it's uh, writing related, I, or if it's podcast related, because like I'm actually reading some of the things I have I've been asking you off an email I sent to myself today, so that I keep adding to or I've kept adding to throughout the day. So and, and sometimes actually just like speaking into my phone and then sending it along. But yeah, technology can be our friends, I guess. So it's like I'm not going to say that loudly because I don't want Skynet to hear me, but. <laughs> but Oh. I wonder if you could take me through the is like you're you're a Bram Stoker Award winner, uh, and I know that you have many other nominations and credits there too. But like, what kind of? Um, I mean, I know that that's that's for honors and horror writing, but like, what do they look look for? Is it is it very or like or or is because that's I mean I feel like that's that's a big deal. I mean, any, what I mean, do 
I'm sorry, what do who look for? <laughs> like the Bram Stoker folks when they're, they're giving awards, because I saw that you, you've oh, won. Well, you've you won know, it's, it's an award that um, basically all the members, all the active members of the Horror Writers Association um, can recommend books. And the books that get the most recommendations end up on the long list of nominees. So they're not nominees, but they're on a long list. And then people can vote on the long. I can't remember. I think you have a preliminary vote on the long list or you used to. I'm sorry, I'm, I've lost. Um, and they winnow it down to five. Um, sometimes those five are the five top recommended titles or voted titles. Sometimes they're three or four of the top titles with um, a jury uh, that will check to make sure that significant works had not been overlooked that should have been considered. Um, you know, uh, for instance, a, a small press book that nobody saw or a, a book by a foreign writer who that hadn't been published in, in, uh, in the U.S. at that time or something. Um, but then it's the membership that votes. Um, so it's not... Uh, it's not a selection. It's a, it's a, an election, I guess you'd say. <laughs> oh, so that, that feels like even, that feels like even more genuine award. Like it's, so it's other people in your, in your field saying they want to honor you. That, that, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> look, I, I have, I have mixed feelings about awards in general uh, for anything really. Um, but uh, you know, so because I've always felt like sometimes awards can be a popularity contest. Sometimes people campaign for uh, nominations and awards. I never do that. Um, I don't think it's appropriate to campaign. Um, and there are rules about campaigning, but people do it anyway. Um, and, you know, also, you know, there's never a my first nomination, and actually one, was for my first book, which was a nonfiction book that I told you about, that book, Cut. And it won the Stoker Award for nonfiction for 1992. Um, and that was great. Uh, but there was a book that came out the same year called Men, Women, and Chainsaws, which was nominated, which probably should have won. And in 1994, my first novel came out, there's a category specifically for first novel and I felt like it deserved to be nominated, but it wasn't. And at first I felt bad about that, but then I realized that the best first novel I had read in the horror genre that year was by, um, uh, oh God, and it just went out of my head. I just had it in my head, Tim Lucas. Uh, and the novel was called throat sprockets, um, which I think is forgotten by many people now, but it's a great book. Um, great weird horror novel of that era and i it felt i felt better when i realized that throat sprockets hadn't been nominated and i thought it not only should have been nominated but should have won so i felt like okay uh I, i'll live with not having i'll live with having been overlooked uh because that book was the best uh and so you know over time you just sort of have to look at it that way it's uh if enough people read it uh, and enough people really love it that you get on the list. That's fantastic. But it has to start with enough people reading it. Right. Right. Um, so there are all kinds of elements that go into it. That said, 
I'm not going to lie, when I won um, Best Novel for my novel Ararat um, a few years ago, I was thrilled. I was, I, I was completely shocked. I did not think it was going to happen. Um, you know, I was up against uh, some stiff competition and I was shocked, frankly. Uh, but I'm, you know, I'm thrilled that it happened. And, you know, it's just nice to be in the conversation. You know, honestly, like I'm a storyteller and what a storyteller wants more than anything is just to entertain the audience, uh, you know, to to bring people along on this adventure with you and, and have some kind of impact on them. So yeah, that makes sense. I, I like it because in reading what I've read of yours, I think you definitely have uh, you definitely have that spirit going through that that idea that like you are looking for people to bring along with you. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I definitely I definitely feel that way in every story I've ever read with your name on it. And, it. and very, very welcome. It's like, it's, and I, and for me, like I, I have a hard time with, 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 especially these days with fiction, for some reason, fiction is not happening for me. I so saw I'm reading a lot of memoirs. Um, I'm reading a lot of, a lot of comics again, but, uh, and then poetry is a constant, but there are a few, few, few names that can kind of, carry me along into a story and, and your name has been consistent since I found it, you know, I don't remember now, but like I said, we're not going to date that because I don't <laughs> want either of us to feel older than we need to. I don't, <laughs> I don't, but, but at least, at least since the early two thousands, if not late nineties though. So, yeah. um, but, uh, I started, I'm 55. I have no problem, you know, uh, and I started young. So, uh, um, and then, yeah, so in full disclosure, I'm 46. So it's uh, yeah. yeah, so it's so we're coming yeah coming out of high school and into into college for me, where I really got got you know headlong into into reading everything I could get my hands on. Yeah, uh, but but comics and, and poetry have been super consistent with me, and then uh, yeah, so I was very excited to like to bring us back to that idea. Like very excited to know that other people were writing Hellboy and I can accept it. And then, and then, uh, and then there, there were more stories to be told that outside of Hellboy that were horror, like horror comics at their heart, but like also had a nice sense of humor and also had like the human touch to them too, which uh, brings me to the question of, um, of or the, the comment or question of like the Hellboy and love series. Uh, is it your name's attached to that? And, like I, I have intimated that I love, a, I love a good love story too, and uh-huh. what a fantastic love story so far! And it's Thank not you. only you're welcome. So I love, I love the, the the interactions between Anastasia and Hellboy, and and is there is there a certain amount of your own life you bring into even a character like Hellboy? Or... Um, probably not much because Hellboy is in so many ways Mike. Um. Or, you know, Mike would say that when he does Hellboy, he's writing more about his dad. Or he was at the beginning, anyway. Um, you know, sort of his demeanor, his, his general, the general sort of air about him. Uh, in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking more about Mike. Um, but when it, when in Hellboy in Love, um, you know, when I first did, you know, I wrote The Lost Army very soon after Hellboy debuted. You know, um, that was the first Hellboy novel, the first prose anybody had done with the character. And, and so, sorry, 
That's a, that's right. Because yeah, I, I had to go back and get that one after I read Bones of Giants. Because yeah, my, and, my, yeah, the and, comic book store told me that, that I should do that. So yeah, Anastasia makes her debut there uh, as Hellboy's ex girlfriend. Um, right. And Mike was funny at the time. He's he's like, boy, you know, uh, it never even occurred to him that Hellboy would have had a love life at that point. Um, but he was great. He was he was very much on board with with it once I. Uh, I brought it up and um, I think their relationship maybe isn't modeled on anything I've experienced myself, but their, their relationship as exes, as friends uh, who used to date, basically uh, the sort of comfort they have and they take from each other, the, um, the safety they feel in each other's presence. Uh, I think that's a value and it, and it has to do with, sort of the way I feel about how relationships should be and should make you feel. And, um, and so if anything, that's sort of what's carried over into these comics as well. Um, and it's just a blast, you know, uh, Mike was at a number of years ago. I, I don't know how long ago now, maybe five years ago, Mike was at, uh, Jesus, was it that long? I hope not. Uh, maybe four years ago, right before COVID Mike was at the Boston comic-con and, um, Mike and Tom and I were sitting around and we were having a conversation about the future of the Mignolaverse. Um, and, you know, Chris Roberson had been doing his Hellboy the BBRD stuff. And I, I really admire Chris. He's a wonderful guy and a, and a talented writer. Um, and Mike had, you know, his ideas about what he wanted to continue to do. But the conversation Tom and I sort of brought to Mike was that we wanted to see a little bit of light in this very, what had become a very dark world. Uh, you know, because when Hellboy started, uh, it was, you know, it, it was great all the way to the end, but it got dark and dark and darker. It really did. And, uh, and so we felt like as fans of Hellboy and the whole universe, we said, you know, we would love to see and, and present stories that had a lighter heart to them. And from that conversation, a whole bunch of things were born. Um, Hellboy and Love was one of those things. Mike and I had always talked about me doing some comics with Hellboy and Anastasia. And um, so we had that conversation. And honestly, Mike resisted probably up until about three months before we announced the title. Mike resisted calling it Hellboy and Love. <laughs> um, but with the help of the, the Dark Horse folks, we persuaded him that that was the right title. And I still maintain it's the perfect title. Oh, absolutely. Um, is. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and also from that same conversation came young Hellboy. So the three of us just sort of sat around talking about what we, Tom and I wanted to see in the world and what Mike wanted to see. Um, and fortunately, Matt Smith was there at the convention. Craig Russo was there at the convention um, Matt had already worked with Mike and Tom and I had known Craig for many years and the stuff just sort of came together. So by the time we went home on the Sunday, we kind of had a lot of plans that are still unfolding. Um, Frankenstein new world came later. It didn't come from that conversation. It came sort of bolt of lightning like, um, a while ago. And so we just continued to sort of play, um, in that world. And, and then of course, Mike and I, 
created our Outerverse with Baltimore and Joe Golem and Lady Baltimore. And, um, and we continue to sort of play in that world as well. Um, so yeah, it's just a very, um, I feel incredibly fortunate to be able to do, to work on stories that I want to tell that are, are fun to tell and fun to imagine and work with artists who are, I mean, Peter Bergting and Matt Smith and Ben Stenbeck. Um, God, you know, I mean, these are just some of the greatest artists alive right now. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, and oh, and Bridget Connell, I'm sorry, Bridget, because we haven't done anything in a while, but Bridget's working on more Lady Baltimore right now um, with me. I, I, I had written the scripts a while ago, but she had her baby Clover, which, uh, which is wonderful. And, and uh, so we took a little pause while, um, while she had a, a, uh, some time to let Clover get through the, uh, the first year or so. Um, and I love working on Bridget. I'm working with Bridget. I feel like it's a, uh, it's a gift every time I get pages from her, from Peter, um, you know, that's the, the beauty of comics is that unlike writing a novel, you're never alone. <laughs> um, you're always, you're always, uh, um, you know, when you're writing a novel, uh, uh, Moliere used to say, you know, um, writing is like prostitution. First you do it for yourself, then you do it for a few friends, and finally you do it for the money. Well, I have, I have news for Moliere. Most writers never get the opportunity to get to the point where they're really only doing it for the money because the money is, for most of us, not that great. Um, but that middle part, when you're doing it for a few friends, that really applies to comics more than anything else because when you're writing a comic book script, you're doing it to entertain your artist. You're doing it to entertain your editor. Um, and yes, the end result is that you want the reader to enjoy it, but it's your first audience uh, is your artist. So I can feel it. I feel that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, and then that, that's awesome. That the insight that you just gave me about the, where Hellboy in love and then young Hellboy came from too. As a, cause both of those storylines were, were now three storylines. Well, actually four considering there's just two different and then soon to be the third like I guess arc in Hellboy and Love too, but uh, but like all the stuff that came out of that is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, but I see, and in talking to both of you, and I dare say, talking to Tom and then talking to you, I, I could hear the the humor of both of you being injected into those, but also staying so true to the characters that are already established. That like like the lines that came to my head when you you were talking about relationships and everything. Uh, was when Anastasia kept on calling him handsome, and Hellboy's response was like, "Lady, you must have got hit in the heart harder than I thought you did." Yeah, <laughs> so it's like, that that was. I mean, it's a very a very Hellboy line to say, but it's also in this conversation I've had with you already. I'm like, that's some some Chris Golden humor too, though. So that's that's very much my humor for sure. <laughs> um, and it's and and also look, um, well, to talk about that in particular you know, it's just human. Um, you know, she doesn't see him as inhuman. She sees him as human. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, and in all the ways that that word can be interpreted. Um, but the other thing about, you know, 
again, like Mike and Tom have a lot in common. Mike and I have a lot in common. But ironically, the things that Mike and Tom have in common are by and large not the things Mike and I have in common. <laughs> Which I think is really interesting. I mean, of the three of us, um, you know, I tend to be the one who's more serious, more business minded, more, you know, um, focused on that stuff where Mike really just wants to be left alone uh, to create. Um, and uh, we all benefit when he does that. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's really interesting, you know, but we also do have this overlapping frame of reference um, that the three of us do share and it makes it easy. And I also think, look, I've done a lot of um, work on other people's properties over the years. And the thing that I will say is I've turned down working on IP that I'm not interested in, that I'm not already a fan of. And lots of people do that kind of work all the time and it shows, you know, um, and I just feel like it's, it's a mistake. You know, we should work on the things that, uh, that excite us. Um, so if you're going to, if you're going to work on other people's, you know, if you're going to play with other people's toys, um, you have to be respectful of them. You have to love them to begin with, you know? Um, so. Absolutely. And it's, and I think that you just touched upon like the thing that, that, that draws me to your your writing, since I have you on the phone right now, um, is that that you you have a very human element to it all. And if we're talking about characters that that you're you're basically playing with characters that are already established. Um, and I've read other stuff of yours too in in, in the worlds of Lady Baltimore and Baltimore and uh, but but if we're talking about Hellboy in particular, like that human element and that's the that's the element that i always always got drawn to that no matter what you know and, and, you know he, obviously he's you know the seed of destruction the right hand of doom all of this ragnarok stuff like i suppose he's, he's supposed to bring the end of the world which you know i don't want to spoil anything for anybody who hasn't got there yet yeah but but um you know but he uh but underneath all of that he's a huge-hearted human really yeah. And, and and your your especially with your your storyline or the storylines that you've got running through with Hellboy and Love in particular, uh, I find that that those human elements are so much on display, and that the fact that he, it, I did I'm going to go right back to saying you know I, I I love the title I love the title of that that series that Hellboy and Love is the perfect series for that because he deserves to be in love. Like he gets his ass kicked by weird shit all the time. Yeah, uh, and he doesn't. He doesn't necessarily think that he deserves it. Um, uh, and and he tries not to think too deeply about. Um, you know, look again. He grew up on military bases with you know soldiers who thought he was kind of cute and gave him comic books and uh, and lollipops. You know, right. and um, and and that kind of thing and. Uh, and so he always was a kid, you know, and then he grew up fast, obviously, but in his mind, I remember Mike telling me when I was first working on the outline for the lost army, all those years ago, um, I remember so clearly Mike said, look in his head, Hellboy is just a guy. Um, and that has always stuck with me as the, as the ruling element of of hellboy he's a he's a blue collar guy he's a regular joe um in his mind 
and he he sort of uh, he, he sort of selectively edits out the things that happen to him that remind him that he's not that. Um, and I think that's and that's what I love about Hellboy in Love is he's having this experience that allows him to live that for a while. Um, but if you've read Lost Army, you know that that doesn't last. Yeah, yeah. It's... yeah. That he that you know eventually um, it will be too much for him to uh, to to keep up that illusion for himself. You know. Um, yeah. That's yeah. That's that's a. There's no doubt in in, in no no qualms in saying that Hellboy is a very tragic character. I mean, in so many different ways that. And it's, that's the part too that also makes you feel for the guy yeah. as, a, as a human rather than some sort of summoned hellspawn thing. And because, like, I, I've, I've, you know, for, since the first few panels, like beyond the first few panels, I've never seen him as anything but but a human because, like, right. he, because he, he's played that way. And, he, yeah, and like, so that's, that's really awesome insight. So thank you very much for that. And, no, yeah, look, yeah. I mean, maybe the, maybe the, the best way to end it is just to say, you know, about, uh, about Hellboy that we all have tragic endings, right? Like everybody has a tragic ending, you know, it's what you do with the time in between. And that's kind of what Hellboy in love is about. It's, it's, it's the kind of stories that I always want to tell with that character and other characters. It's like, how do you spend the days in between before, before we reach our tragic ending? Um, you know, both so both in fiction and in real life, those are the questions we should be asking. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. And it's just you just reminded me of a like one of my all-time favorite lines from a Pearl Jam song. Actually, it's a uh, I know that I was born and I know that I'll die, but the in between is mine. I am mine. Yeah, it's just that's simple but brilliant. I mean, it's yeah, a, that's, that, that, that's a that's a perfect reference to Hellboy because he knows he has this uh, dark fate ahead of him. Um, but you know, in between, it's his. It's it's his. You know. Yeah, but I love it. And then thank you very much for bringing that out and, uh, in such such vivid ways too. So it's uh, so I want to I want to talk a little bit more about your your stuff. I know that you, you co-created with with Mike um, the Outerverse stuff, but it is uh, that's definitely like you're not borrowing any characters here. That's that stuff that came out of and in a collaboration. That's but still like that's original characters happening there um yes. and that's and then like if i look through the titles that'll go along with that alone i mean i'm seeing just with just that we got baltimore joe golem uh lady baltimore and there's a few other hot shoots there too right and then so yes. it's the uh, golem so, among us yeah, um, so that's a one shot of uh <clears throat> um oh boy am I, i'm tired uh <laughs> <laughs> Um, Imogen of the Weirding Way. Yes, uh, yes, that, and I have not read all of those because there's a lot there, and so it's I'm, I'm working my way through it there. But I, I dig what I've I've had my hands on, and so where where, where did all that start? Out? Well, it um, it started with um, over the years. Mike would say to me all the time. Uh, he would t he would tell me all the time about this vampire graphic novel he was going to write and draw eventually someday and then one day out of the blue he called me and he said you know that vampire graphic novel i'm never going to draw it do you want to do it as a novel and i said of course so he wrote a bunch of notes 
and I turned them into a novel outline. And um, what I've always said is I feel like his, his notes were pretty extensive and basically he had worked out about 85% of the story. Um, and so I filled in the gaps and fleshed it out and uh, we kind of went back and forth on it and then we sold it. Uh, and that became the novel um, Baltimore or the steadfast tin soldier and the vampire. Um, with, uh, with Joe Golem and the drowning city, it was probably closer to sort of 50, 50 of um, ideas and, and story. Um, and eventually those two novels became comics. And at, while writing the comics, we realized that they were in the same universe together, which made total sense. Uh, and then we just started expanding the, the comic book universe. The characters, um, you know, it sort of organically grew. Uh, and now I'm, I'm fascinated by the characters and the world. And, um, you know, we sort of keep populating it. We had, like I said, we took a, we took a break um, when Bridget had her baby Clover. Um, and this is one of the other things that, is great about Mike, but also great about, um, you know, creator ownership and caring about this stuff is that, you know, if, if Bridget had been doing that comic for DC or Marvel, they would have just got somebody else to do it. Um, and we are able to not do that. We're able to say, no, 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 we want you. We support you a thousand percent. And you're the artist on this comic until you decide you don't want to be. And, um, and so we were able to do that, which, which, you know, which I love because, you know, the collaborative relationships on these comics are the most important part. I feel, I feel that because yeah, I could feel that there's a lot of collaboration in, in there's a, in there's also like a, there's a spirit coming through in, in how, how you're saying this. And at least I'm picking up on it. Like you, you guys are having a good time together doing this. And, and, and am I, am I wrong in saying this is all coming through Dark Horse too, right? Yeah, it's all from Dark Horse. Okay, it's a, I got to tell you, I love that publisher. I, I absolutely love Dark Horse. I don't read everything they they publish, but I love that they are very um, creator centered. Like I just, they, I feel like they let you guys do what you need to do for the stories. And yeah, I love, they've I love always that. been uh, they've always been philosophically interesting and adventurous, which I appreciate both of those things. I also have I can't I can't tell you <clears throat> i can't tell you what it is um yet because it hasn't been announced but my friend tim lebin and i and tim and i have collaborated on eight novels together um are doing a brand new creator owned comic together for dark horse later this year um, awesome. which um which will be announced in a couple months i think all right i'll keep our ears out on that one then too so it's yeah uh, it's just there's a, I've I whittled my comic uh, collecting down to, to to basically the, the types of stories that 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 everybody we've talked about is is attached to. Yeah. Uh, so it's I, like I I think you'll really like this. It's uh, awesome. it's really fun. So, awesome. I'll keep my eyes out. Uh, that's that's incredible. He's like I'm looking at just like this this Baltimore alone in that in a, in that run as I've got your website up too, and like I just. Yeah, I love, I love it. I love, I love how involved all these things can be, and all the different places uh, these these characters can go, and all the different characters that come out of this type of things. 
yeah. a, yeah, it's very cool. And you know, thinking thinking about stuff like that too is like going back. It's not that you might go back. Like when when did that collaboration really start? Was it Lost Army that started that, or with Mike? It, yeah. Um, well, again, I, I interviewed him for that magazine Flux, and um, and we got talking, and I think I said something about um, oh, in the, in the second mini series, you know what you should do. Um, you know, when I was growing up, I would read those uh, Marvel black and white horror magazines, uh, horror comics, and they would always have prose stories in the back. You know, you should you should have prose Hellboy stories in the back of the next mini series. And he said in his very Mike voice, he said, I suppose you'd want to write them. Uh, and I said, well, I mean, I'd want to read them no matter who wrote them. But of course, if I had a choice, I would like to write them. And so I'd written my first novel um, at some point in that in that time period. And I, I sent him uh, the book or portion of the book, whatever it was. And um, again, it's a long time ago now. Um, but he, he read it and he really liked it. And he said, well, you know, I don't want to do these prose backups. He didn't want to do that. He said, but, uh, but would you want to do it as an original full length novel? And I was like, well, hell yes, I would want to do that. And that's how that started. <laughs> that's awesome. And in, in the world of readers, uh, of, 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 uh, novels and of Hellboy are very happy. So yeah, awesome. All right. So th thinking about, uh, and I don't want to take all of your night planning. So let me know if you want to. Yeah. Well, my daughter, my daughter is impatiently waiting for me to come watch television with her. So we should awesome. probably wrap up pretty soon. All right. I'll definitely. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I've asked a lot of the big questions and, uh, and the, um, and I'm in, and it sounds like it, I would and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, is there about the same amount of love for writing for characters that have already been established, like playing with other people's toys, like you've said, or um, or creating your own? Or is there some sort of no? It, uh, it's in many ways, it's like a split brain. You know, I say all the time that you know all of the stuff that I do that is with other people's characters, I do it largely for the the you know 13 year old I was once upon a time who would kill me if I didn't do these things. But that isn't to say that they aren't projects that I love. I do love them. There are so many times I'm like, oh my God, I need to do this. Um, you know, like when I, I, um, I did a book called Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, uh, Blackwood's Guide to Dangerous Fairies uh, in collaboration with Guillermo del Toro years ago. You know, it was so much fun. Uh, it was work, but it was, it was so much fun. Uh, but it's no matter how much fun it is, when it's not yours, uh, it's a very different experience. And so I feel like the, the novels that are just me um, are more about the grown-up me and the, uh, the things that are licensed or tie-ins or things like that that belong to other people. Um, I enjoy them incredibly as an adult, but it's, it's also because I'm rewarding the kid I was um, because without that kid, you know, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. You know, I mean, it was, it's all, if I hadn't been that kid, I wouldn't be doing this now. Awesome. Um, so I always feel like I'm, I'm I try to keep a, a good balance in my heart and brain, you know, right. um, with all of that. Well, I, love it. I never, so, want, I never want to get too mature. 
to uh, to want to play with other people's toys. There we go. Because life is way too serious to be taken seriously. Yeah. And that isn't, by the way, that isn't, <clears throat> I want to make it very clear, that isn't in any way suggesting that any of these things are kid stuff. Right. Because uh, yeah. most of the stuff is very much not kid stuff. Um, <clears throat> it's very much, uh, you know, still from the grown-up me. But one of the reasons I say yes to these projects or pursue them is because that, you know, what did, I still have... I still have the heart of a 13 year old. It's in a jar on my desk, you know. That's awesome. <laughs> I like how you said that. All right. So, so one final question and you can, you can pass if you'd like. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you go and, I'll, and say thank you again for coming on. Um, who should I try to knock on the door next to, to have on the, onto the corner? So, uh. um, I think you should go back to Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't know, boy. This, uh, you know, that's a that's a good question. I mean, there's so many people. Um, let's see. Uh, you know, have you have you ever talked to our buddy Nick Barucci, who owns uh, Dynamite? I have not. Yeah, I mean, Nick Nick would be a, a really interesting interview uh, about his history in comics and the creation of Dynamic Forces and the creation of Dynamite. I think it could be a really interesting interview. All right, look him up. That's one one suggestion, anyway. All right. Well, thank you for for letting me put you on the spot with that question, and, no, and I'll and I'll I'll, uh, I'll bug Tom and send him uh, send him your hate. <laughs> so, yeah. Tell him yeah. I say socks. <laughs> I definitely will. I think he'll get a good good laugh out of that too. So. <laughs> so, Chris, thank you very much for for taking the time tonight with me. My pleasure. Thanks for having. And, uh, and have a great rest of your night and I'll let you know when the episode's ready and, and out there for the world to hear. Great. Thanks, Matt. Have okay. a good you too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you very much for listening to the episode that you just listened to and tuning into the corner means a lot to me. I'm having a good time having these conversations and I'm having a, a good time sharing these conversations with with all of you. And speaking of sharing, you know, you can share your feedback and your thoughts about this very podcast with me. Let me tell you how. All right, first of all, if you're listening to it on Apple, you can leave me a, a review, a starred review, please, five stars. And, uh, you know, send me a little message along with that review. Um, that helps the algorithm, that helps other people hear it that might be interested in hearing um, some of the subjects and guests that I have on. Uh, that would be cool to, to boost that little, uh, that little thing going there. Um, cause I, obviously I don't put a whole, whole lot of money if meaning no money into advertising. So word of mouth is how I do. All right. So there's that. Also, you can email me at M as in Matt, M J W five one one at yahoo.com M J W five one one at yahoo.com. Send me an email. Tell me what you think. Um, you, you can also, you know, go on to Facebook if that's the thing you do. Matthew Wood Poet, look that up and you'll find me, my silly mug, trying to sell poetry, trying to do poetics, and also promoting this year's podcast that you're listening to right now. Um, yeah, leave me a message there. Or you can go right through um, right through the, the services themselves, right onto the episode. It'll, you'll see a question that says, what did you think of this episode? Or you could actually just type a message, send me a, send me a, a little feedback there. Um, and then also you can leave me a voice message. If you go to the episode description, you'll see a link, click on that link that says, leave a voice message. 
record, send it along, and I'll be happy to hear what you think. Also, in all that feedback and, and messaging you can do for me, tell me if you are someone who would like to talk to me on the corner, or if you know someone who would like to talk on the corner. That would be awesome. So, yeah, send me potential guest ideas or, or topics, and then that would be awesome too. So, all things said, just, uh, yeah, get back to me. I would like to hear from you. Thank you very much for listening.